All right, everybody, welcome back to Veterans for Voluntarism. All right, everybody, welcome back to V for V. Uh, I am Jordan. And I am joined, as always, by my wonderful guest, Dane. Guest. Guest co-host, I meant. <laughs> I kept my words mixed up. <laughs> I'm not a wordsmith, man. I'm just a normal dude. Yeah, I, was a, I know. I was a I forgive field you. artillery cannon crew member. I am officially the most handsome host, though. Oh, I knew you were going to bring it up, dude. I knew you were going to bring that shit up. <laughs> am I allowed to vote? Sure. Because I can see you and they can't. Okay, yeah. I think Jake. Jake is the cute one. Jake? He's not even here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake's, if you saw him, you would realize he is by far the most ugly. He's eighty percent. Really? He's eighty percent beard and like twenty percent human. Well, ten percent human and like ten percent status. Beards are I, a little scary. As a female, I find beards to be a little scary. Yeah, Guys, I like really, it's so masculine. I'm like, I'm scared of that. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say he was eighty percent monkey. Oh yeah, he's got that in his blood too. It's because he, that's why he climbs. Windows. interdimensional alien <laughs> yeah isn't that <laughs> he crawled out of the hollow earth <laughs> right. All right, i don't everybody. know i'm not i'm not disputing anyone's truth yeah and that other voice you hear there is uh monica perez so monica kind of tell everybody who you are what you do thank you i i have uh, a few shows one is a uh, terrestrial radio show on wsb in atlanta every saturday from three to six it's a call-in show on a really conservative station i'm a hardcore libertarian and uh, as a person with eyes open that sometimes gets me into the truth realm and the callers make that very interesting because they want to push back on it and it's just very respectful and fun but i also do podcasts with my producer from that show as my co-host on podcasts. We do a deep dive every couple of weeks called Propaganda Report, where we like, who who is they? He's got always clips of they. And then yeah. it basically triggers me and the fun ensues. But I think the most important thing that we do, and I really felt there was a need for it and it's hard to do it, so it's, they're not falling off trees, is every day we do a 30 minute podcast of the news of that day. So that like by the time you get home, you're not brainwashed with whatever Fox or CNN said, you actually know what they're saying, but you know either just take the facts for what it's worth or from more of a perspective of principle, a deeper dive. So that's the drive time news blast, but you can find all of it at, if you're listening to podcasts on Propaganda Report, just type mm. in Propaganda Report. It's a great show too. Uh, that's in my daily cycle. I drive a shit ton for work, so. I listen to yeah, a lot of podcasts. Yeah, it's, in my, it's in my daily uh, cycle. You guys put out what every day, five days a week? Every or? five days a week. And then the WSB show is three hours after commercial. So it's like an hour and a half without yeah. commercials, which I also post. That's on Saturday. So it's like six days a week. And it's kind of killing me because I have kids and yeah. I'm supposed to take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, that's... oh my gosh, can't you see? There are important things going on. They're like, mom, I have no underwear. I just <laughs> yeah. I got a podcast. <laughs> That's it what's is. happening right now, actually. <laughs> I get tense, yeah. like, where's my underwear? <laughs> yeah, it is difficult to manage the time and dedicate the rest of your time to family and stuff like that. But but I got very well trained in the radio thing. Like, I was kind of discovered just sitting next to somebody at a wedding telling 
stuff that we're about to talk about. I just say that stuff and most people run away in horror. And she was a radio <laughs> producer and she was just like, that's fascinating. Could you talk to a brick wall? I'm like, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, and then they trained me. So they never really, I mean, maybe I, I doubt I'll ever get a daily show, which is why they kind of train you on the weekends. But they really taught me about how to keep things concise, like how to how to make it sound natural because at first you you don't realize you're saying um every other word or yeah. whatever and i had so much good practice and training that it's it's i could actually produce a kind of show like that every day which is what i was being trained for and that's probably why there isn't one out there because it's actually pretty hard to kind of make it jam-packed and listenable and all that yeah yeah well i mean it's, it's good that you got some training into it so you can't go back and listen to old episodes and just cringe for <laughs> we yeah, got about eight hours of so cringe out there <laughs> yeah you yeah. have to just let that go i mean you really do like i find i actually find not to like talk too much about hmm. the inside baseball whatever but i actually found that i had to really kind of excise it's like being a parent it's like there's something in the way your brain works you have to just kind of cut stuff out like oh yeah can't be selfish anymore bloop like can't be self-conscious anymore bloop like you have to just right you, you just have to like expose yourself like that <laughs> uh, metaphorically just have to put yourself out there and people abuse you and there are tears but. yeah it's rough uh pretty early on when we started this show we got johnny adams on the show i don't know if you're familiar with uh Blast yeah, yeah 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 johnny mm -hmm. rocket yeah i've been um, on his show yeah he's a big radio guy yeah and yeah when he came on like we were i felt like we were not in the same league you know it's just like yeah uh, well, not at all this. not at yeah all. you weren't yeah. even using a mic you're just like wait <laughs> it's not you can't just do it off your laptop yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is he did it on his cell phone so really still, yeah still sounding great <laughs> wow yeah yeah no that's fun very professional yeah yeah that's good times. So, uh, I guess how I heard about you, um, was on free man beyond the wall. And you guys talked about the Edward Snowden thing on Rogan. And I gotta say, took a big veil, uh, over what I was, I guess, looking through. Cause I, I held the guy up as, you know, like a libertarian hero, I guess is the way I kind of sounds like he fucking fought the state, escaped the state, you know, and he's like our martyr that's still alive. I don't know. He said some weird shit on there, though, like, you know, were you ever noticed in Russia and stuff? He's like, oh, yeah, I get noticed. And they're just like, are you Edward Stone? I'm like, oh, yeah. I was like, that's not a red flag, dude. Like, what? Could that, be so Intel when, assets, you know? What What do you mean? Like, I, that that was the thing that stuck out. Explain it. I don't really understand. He, he said that random people would notice him and realize who he was. And he said a lot of times his face was even partially covered. And they'd be yeah, like, oh, are what, you Edward Snowden? That was super yeah. weird. What was that? Oh, I know what I thought that was. Um, but what, what, hold on a second. Jordan, what did you think was significant about that? Because I had a weird. Well, I thought it was significant because it's like, if he has gone this long without getting caught by our state, right? Like by yeah. American Intel yeah. official, like professionals that are good at this yeah. shit, apparently. Right. Um, and then he's getting noticed in places where he's supposed to be unnoticed. Random you know? people. Yeah. Well, this, see, I'm, I go so far back in this that he had an interview when he was still like the world's most wanted with Brian Williams yeah, yeah, in that. Moscow. Not, not one year ago, like six years ago. And I remember saying, this is bullshit. And everyone was like, are you saying that Brian Williams would lie? <laughs> and then like six months later, he got fired for lying. I was like, 
You know, yeah. and it's like, I don't, what are you talking about? I can't even remember. It's like, yeah, God, this was it. This was a smoking gun. But I have a real, if you want to just go right into crazy, like this chick's mind, just, she just goes too far. Let's, I will give let's you go. what I, I thought <laughs> when he said that. Cause I have this theory. I think some of these guys like Julian Assange, I got the idea from Julian Assange. He used to be from what I could tell and there are pictures of it, a drag queen, like a performer, mm. Julian Assange. So there's a picture of him dressed as Jane Harlow and he really looks like her. So then I started thinking that he wasn't really in a, uh, the Ecuadorian embassy for eight years. He was going out at night as a woman. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, so then, not outside the realm of possibility. Right. So then when Edward Snowden, who I noticed right from the start, he always had the exact same haircut, the exact same glasses, the exact same camera angle. Even when you saw his passport photo, which a lot of times they make you take your eyeglasses off for a passport photo. Mm -hmm. He was the exact same guy. And I thought this guy, the way like the CIA was investigating kind of science and stuff, they're like, never use a fancy costume, like always keep it simple. And I was like, okay, this guy's costume is the glasses and the short hair. And when he goes out, he probably wears, you know, dresses up like a chick. There's some crazy pictures of him as an adolescent that really look like he's putting himself out there. Yeah, kind of weird, right? And or whatever, not what he was saying he was, which was some big ladies' man. And I thought maybe he's like that. Like maybe they find people who uh, like to cross dress, and then that's a great person to have like a double ego you know a double persona mm-hmm. and then so when he said that thing you just see my eyes i thought maybe he's really in some kind of costume and he's amazed when people can identify him i can't believe i just dove into like the most the <laughs> maybe, kind of crazy maybe he's stuff. actually a woman and he cross dresses when he goes on camera maybe but you Possibly. saw the pictures like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, well like chelsea manning like I, I always think that like they they have this other persona that may help them if they're not who they say they are or want to lead another life or are going to be really public, public people. You know, maybe Chelsea Manning is really still Bradley Manning. Yeah. And just like put this out there. Yeah. And those, those old Edward Snowden photos are pretty hilarious though. When he's like his shirt tucked up and. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they're, they're so strange. And then you think, well, maybe this guy is, isn't, is just an actor. Yeah. You know, an actor who can really just be that way. But to get more serious, I the first when he first came out and everybody was like, thought he was the libertarian savior. I said the reason I flagged it is that he said, "I don't care what the outcome is. I just want people to be aware of what's being done in their name and talk about it, and not and I don't want the government to do stuff that's illegal." And I thought, and then he said he voted for Ron Paul. And I said, well, we did talk about it. And that's where the Bill of Rights came from. That's the compromise. There's no compromise between freedom and security. That's the Bill of Rights. That is the compromise. Right. And a libertarian would never say that. And I just said, you know, he's talking about stuff that's illegal. My guess is they're just going to make all that stuff legal. And then you got the Freedom Act. Mm -hmm. You know, which was basically legalized the stuff that was in the USA Patriot Act. Mm -hmm. And that I felt was because of him. Like all of it happened. It just, they bring it out into the open. So you get used to it and then you accept it and then they codify it. And then you have nothing, there's nothing you can say. I think it's a pretty carefully constructed method. 
Yeah. yeah um, That's crazy. You guys ruined Edward Snowden. I'm me. sorry. Everybody <laughs> hates me for it. Pete set me up uh, for that. He was like, you have to come on my show and talk about the Rogan interview. And then as soon as I get on, he's just like, you hate Edward Snowden. I'm like, I don't hate him. I don't hate anybody. I don't even know if he's a real person. Uh, <laughs> he's Max after, Headroom, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> well, he's a, after, he's a Bernie uh, he supporter on, now, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, he's a Bernie supporter, I know. <laughs> and him and Rogan were just like, he's such a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, after he was on Rogan, Jordan said, hey, did you listen to Free Man Beyond the Wall with Monica Perez? And he was like, I said something about that I liked to know. And he was like, well, you might not after you listen to this. Yeah, don't listen. And immediately, man. immediately my brain started turning. I was like, well, what if he's still in the CIA? And this <laughs> yes, was all just a right. ploy to get us to get used to it or to make us feel right. better that people are right. out there or. Yeah. And dude, yeah. that's another thing. Like the homeboy was in three-letter agencies like doing ops and fucking he's in russia like supposedly a super secret location and he's getting noticed by people and like that right. wouldn't trigger like an escape or some kind of like you know flight response i guess yeah uh, he's I, like he he does stuff you know he and he didn't know who joe rogan was i mean that was yeah that preposterous. too yet he but, he was caught up on all the other current events that were going on politically at least but something was interesting about it because I think of his whole thing, I think a very interesting element of it was that Putin kind of played along. He kind of plays along. And that, <clears throat> I've noticed it about definitely Russia, they play along with limited hangouts. So we put something out there that makes us look bad. We use it to institute a policy that, is a reaction to what it is that we've sent out there, even though it screws us over, it looks like a solution, like the classic dialectical thing. And Putin won't say Edward Snowden's a fraud. He'll say, look at all this bad stuff Edward Snowden is saying about the US, like bad stuff about America, you know? And he yeah. loves that. He runs with it. ISIS, same thing. Like there was a hidden audio of Lindsey Graham getting pranked by these Russian radio guys. <laughs> and the radio guys, have you ever heard of these guys? They no. prank. Politicians, they pranked Elliot Abrams. They pranked, um, uh, who was the first one? It, Lindsey Graham. I forget who the first one was, but it was pretty crazy. And they, they call and they say, well, I'm the foreign minister of Turkey. I'm the, this guy, that guy. And then you, they record these senators saying real stuff like, oh, we'll just, we'll wire you the money or whatever. <laughs> and what, it was, it's really crazy. I forget the guy's names, but it's easy to find. Is that like YouTube or something? Yeah, but I was briefly like for one moment on Fox News and I was like, is okay. this a freaking setup? But they can't deny it. And they, they try to downplay it by picking out the more vulgar but less interesting things about it. Like there was hidden audio of Victoria Newland plotting the coup in Ukraine. She was the assistant secretary of state. Uh-huh. And... And you've heard, a, everyone in the whole world has heard a quote from that phone call, which is, fuck the EU. Mm-hmm. But the more important stuff was once we take this guy out and set him up for murder, we're going to insert these three guys at the top. And she <laughs> names them. That was a much more interesting part of the clip. But the, <laughs> the Lindsey Graham one was where they said, well, as you know, we created ISIS. <clears throat> so they're saying Turkey created ISIS. And, uh, and Lindsey Graham says, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? And it's like, what? <laughs> And then I thought, I was like, I didn't even, I mean, I knew ISIS was a creation. I didn't. And then I thought, I think I did hear that Turkey created ISIS. But like for Lindsey Graham, that's one thing I learned in radio was 
I, one of the few things I ever really got like, uh, told to not do is if somebody calls and says something that you know is wrong or really don't believe in, you can't just let it slide. You have to actually contradict it if you don't yeah. think that, because otherwise you kind of own it. And right. I just let people talk. I don't care, but I had to stop doing that. And, and he did that to Lindsey Graham. Not only he didn't let it slide, he concurred, which it might've been a misstatement, but because he wasn't, he didn't delve into it, but I found it was telling. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> oh man. So, so well, wasn't ISIS just like a split from the Al Nusra front that we were front, uh, funding though? So I think, I mean, the, at a certain point, Al Qaeda and its derivatives were on our side. Right. They just renamed themselves under, the Al Nusra Front. Right. But the legal justification for the fight was the authorization to use force specifically. And actually, I was listening to maybe your last podcast where the guy was saying, like, we had very specific goals and authorizations over in Afghanistan, for example. And they were accomplished by February 2012, something like that. 2011, mm. if you count. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. That was the Dan McKnight episode. Yeah. So, but I'm thinking that, so, so there was a point when the kind of not declaration of war, but authorization to use force was against Al Qaeda because that is who was given credit for 9-11. It was just specifically about the people who, who attacked us on 9-11 Yet we were, they were actually on our side at that point. Like it had gone so far that they were, they were demonstrably on our side. I mean, it couldn't have been a more illegal thing. And then I think Obama went in and modified the authorization to basically be a, a, a war limitless in time and space. <laughs> like basically read, <laughs> like we have the right to, to pursue our enemies around the world forever. Like, yeah. okay, that's, that's how it feels. That's broad. Well, it is. I mean, have you guys looked into the Afghanistan papers that recently came out in the Washington Post? I didn't get a chance. I I always feel like I'm being set up. I had read this book by Michael Scheuer <laughs> called Imperial yeah. Hubris. Are you okay. familiar? Michael Scheuer um, was, he was around, Ron Paul used to cite him a lot. He was the CIA chief of the Osama bin Laden unit who supposedly like says bad stuff about CIA mm -hmm. and it's good. You know, it's interesting, but I, I, I'm so suspicious of that type. I did at the time take him very seriously. And I read this book and he said, it was a long time ago. And he said, we'll be in Afghanistan for 10 years. Taliban will still be in charge. We won't have accomplished anything. And mm -hmm. if we even leave, it won't matter at all. So then when I heard the Afghanistan papers were like, Oh, people were saying stuff like that. It's like, okay, that was in a book that was published. <laughs> 10 yeah. years ago at yeah. least yeah there's been i mean there's been multiple books that haven't gotten mainstream attention that just kind of get wrote off as like crazy libertarians um fool's errand by scott horton's another great one um really goes into it deep it's a really dense book um but yeah i mean i, I just thought it was crazy when this came out from the washington post because now it's like a mainstream news you know whatever you want to call them outlet right and then they're saying no like they had no goal when we went into Afghanistan and it spurred all of this fucking craziness. And I just kind of like highlight, it's a huge article. And the, I mean, the Afghanistan papers are like over a thousand pages long, I think. And well, that just, yeah, it just demonstrates that they, Scott Horton can put all that stuff out and they won't give it mainstream attention, but then some one day they do. 
Yeah. That was the thing with Edward Snowden. It's like there were a lot of whistleblowers for this guy. And a lot of the stuff that he said, I had read about in RT and stuff like Russia Today. Like there was a lot of stuff coming out right before he came out. So, and none of it, the CIA supposedly is 10 years ahead of us at least on technology and all that stuff. Why didn't he give me anything like that? Give me one little bone, 10 years out, whatever. But they really pick and choose like this book I'm reading on Ukraine that has all this stuff that the Western media got wrong, evidence of this and that. They don't cover it at all. It's a book written by a professor. They could cover that. It would be a showstopper. People would be amazed, but they don't. It's, it's highly controlled. So the Afghanistan papers, I'm sure, are true. But I always think there's a reason. So now they want to change how they do things in Afghanistan, and that's going to cost money or whatever. You know, right. whatever. Like They're right now focusing on the FISA court. Like, yeah. oh, the FBI is really outing the FISA court. We're going to have to make changes over there. And I'm like, okay, well, they're going to definitely not going to be against their interests. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing that like kind of annoys me, I mean, the Afghanistan papers, I think is a great thing. Um, but it's, it's just kind of strange that now since the Afghan war and the war in Syria and Iraq are is so crazily unpopular that it's like kind of an insulated opinion to have at this point where it's like, it's, it's easy, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, yes. these, we didn't yes. have a goal going into it, you know, back in 2001. Now in 2019, we can finally talk about it and be credible. It's like, it's a little fucking late, you know, yeah. not just, not and, just the civilians killed over there and not uh, just the soldiers and, you know, civilian and contractors killed, but also the people that are coming home and dealing with the fucking pain and blowing their brains out, you know, right. like it's a little bit, it's, it's a little too late right now. You know, and the fact and, that it's still going on with this information out there to the mainstream is like it, it kind of gets overlooked. And like, well, maybe maybe the whole purpose is now they're like, oh, well, now we'll have a definite goal for you. So <laughs> I think there's a, a paradigm shift afoot. Like there's something my guess I've had to guess it. And I mean, there's probably 100 possibilities. So I'll weight this as like one in 100 or maybe top 10 out of 100 that. I think one of the reasons Trump is in there is, is to start that big war with Iran oh, and yeah. Russia is going to be on the other side of it. So yeah. making Trump feel like a guy who doesn't like war, which is the, uh, that is the oldest trick in the book for like yeah. a campaign to run on anti-war and also to be this uh, Russian sympathizer, the argument will be, it had to have been inevitable if someone like Obama, I mean, Trump, was going to do this. Obama isn't going to kill his own people. Obama's Muslim, but Trump isn't going to, he doesn't want that war. He loves Russians. If this is how you, even we have to admit Trump is, had no choice but to start this huge war. So they don't care what you think about these other things, or maybe they just want to get it out in the open that, hey, we have dialogue. We talk about this. We don't like war because even Wolf Blitzer, CNN or whatever has been beating the drums of war for 20 years almost now. And they, I mean, they have no credibility on any anti-war individual on the left that could be left even. So maybe they're trying to, to be able to say that they're anti-war just so that when they usher in the next war, it's got some credibility. Absolutely. I, I, I agree yeah. with that hundred percent too. Um, also, this is a little bit off, off topic, but it's still relevant. Uh, I, play a lot of video games and I got the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare game recently. I played through the campaign and 
I just found it alarming that you can just slay thousands of Russian soldiers in a, an American video game. Imagine a Russian video game where they're just like in the future slaying fucking American soldiers. Like we would go to war for that. Yeah, you'd see it on the news all the time. It would be conflict propaganda. It would just be there to get atrocity propaganda. Yeah, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember like I was still a kid living at home and my dad showed me these cartoons that were supposedly from Iran of like American kids getting killed and or maybe not American kids, but just people in America getting killed and all their Iranian kids being happy about it. Wow. Do you think it was real? Their kid. Yeah, I did at the time. <laughs> you know, it it might have been. I mean, ago, so I don't know, but that's the thing. At what point is a provocation? You know, the, we like Iraq. When you see that American, I didn't watch American Sniper, but I what I understand, it opens up, and this like made Bradley Cooper like the darling in Hollywood. It opens up, and I believe he shoots a woman and a child who were terrorists, right? In Iraq, it's been Anybody a long time. That? Well, it's been a long time since I watched it. Let's just say that. But then, like, it's a little tricky to call somebody a terrorist in their own country that you're in there killing people. You know, like, it's just how do you, where does, where is it, who went first? You know what I mean? Like, maybe yeah. it's, if they're, if they're demonizing a certain culture or country, it could, it could be justified in counter-propaganda. I'm not a fan of propaganda. I pick apart i'm a fan of the truth yeah your show's but, the propaganda report yes yes and it's not about it isn't <laughs> propaganda it's exactly. about propaganda yep. so i i like to pull it apart i don't but i mean if you actually thought that you had to prepare your people for an invasion and you knew who the invaders were going to be i mean it's like the zombocalypse right isn't the zombie apocalypse really about when the people rise up and and they have to convince american law enforcement to turn on them isn't that what that's for pretty yeah i think so i, I have I think read that so before, like yeah. I, yeah i think that it's they have to train you to think of the other as non-human mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah i think it's when just everybody just goes insane because of an the economic backwards. collapse or something i know but i think is it I think what they're using it for is to tell soldiers and law enforcement and stuff. There are some people it's okay to kill because they're crazy. They're oh, not maybe. really people anymore. Like you can say that people, they say it about indigenous people or countries you want to use as slaves. They always said like, they don't have souls. They're not Christian right. or something, you know, like you can kill them. You can enslave them. They're not real people. All, and all, then, the, all the Zert people I see are just civilians out here in Texas. Like What's the zombie, zombie emergency response teams, <laughs> or maybe it's ZRT, like zombie. But what is that? Is that a real thing? Like, is that an actual? Like, do I they think... actually call themselves? Are they a government entity? Like, no, like, no, they're just no, no people who just yeah. <laughs> yeah but I think, I think, think that they're it's... like uh, airsoft people, like I don't mil know, military I always, simulators. <laughs> I always thought that the that the the cultural purpose of the zombie thing is to get you to think there's some, and maybe even video games, think that there are some people it's okay to kill. Oh yeah, for sure, 100%. In your own, you know, in your family. Yeah, you know, yeah. Your I mean, country. that plays into the culture war thing, you know, as if you want to control people's, uh, I guess, psyche, you know, you, you influence their culture. And being yeah. that video games is the biggest thing that we have, and we play war video games pretty frequently, and we are at war. You know, we're pretty desensitized to it. 
pretty desensitized to seeing a, a certain group of people to be demonized to the point that we need to, you know, exterminate them. And <laughs> was, enemies, uh, enemies are so important. I, I read a long time ago, the report from Iron Mountain. Did you ever read that or hear of it? It's from the 60s. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. It was this thing that was, it, some people said it was absolutely real. And some people said that it was pretty close to real. And it, the subtitle was, is there, uh, is there, is there a substitute for war? I forget what the subtitle is exactly, but the story was, is there a substitute for war that will still keep the hierarchy in place, that keep the, the nation state structure in place? If there's, because nuclear weapons made a, a war so unlikely that you could not control the population with fear of an outside enemy. And it goes through all the like potential substitutes for war, including a global crisis that requires a global government, such as an environmental crisis actually says that. It's like, but yeah. it'd be so tricky to gin that up. Yes. People would know. So it, the, so the idea is that the hierarchy, I mean, it was like laid out and thousands of copies were given out in the government. It was a New York times bestseller. It was laid out how, enemies are used to keep you from uh, getting out of line, that they, they were looking for a euphemized form of slavery. And shortly thereafter, you had the, the expressions arise, a slave to drugs, a slave to debt. It all came at a, right after that. And I, <clears throat> so this enemy idea is very important, even if it weren't, if you even if you weren't really going into other countries and killing them because they might compete with you economically, <laughs> like Russia, or China. Yeah. But I, I mean, just even as a theoretical thing, they'd have to make it up if it didn't. If there weren't really any enemy out there. Mm-hmm. Just having cold wars. Yeah, I think that's yeah. why they give them weapons. People. I think that's why they gave Iran Stuxnet. They threw a cyber weapon in Iran, and Iran found it. And then reverse engineered it. Now we're like, oh, now we have to spend a lot of money on cyber weapons because Iran has. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, that's a valid point for sure. <laughs> also, you brought the environmentalist thing. Uh, Greta Thunberg. Is it Thunberg or Thunberg? Thunberg. Thunberg. Uh, recently <laughs> got named Time Magazine Person of the Year, which is pretty interesting. Uh, which I've she been. Deserved. What? Yeah, she, she deserved did. that. Yeah. She deserves it because it's time, you know? I, I do not deserve that. Wasn't Hitler Time Magazine Press of the Year once? Yeah, I, oh, I so. hope so. Really? I, I believe so. I, I, saw, oh I saw, okay, I don't have a, a verifiable source on that because I saw a meme that was, I thought was pretty hilarious. That I'm pretty sure it's that. true. I, I, I believe Possibly. I went back and All yeah, memes verified. are true. But like the environmentalist thing that's like going buck wild right now, fucking... Uh, we recent well not recently it was quite a few weeks ago we covered a article from the army times saying that uh they can't continue to give soldiers bottled water in like afghanistan or places like that because it's basically becoming unaffordable i was like well yeah we spent over a trillion dollars just on the military budget on these bullshit wars in the first place anyway they're saying basically like if uh other host nations don't uh what was it if they don't follow green principles for environmentalism that we're going to no longer participate in like peacekeeping missions with them and stuff like that so oh boo hoo yeah (laughs) exactly and i think what what i see happening and this is just my own introspection is with this like whole oh you're you're killing the planet you're going to kill us because we're going to die when this world starts on fire is like yeah well now you're creating a huge 
like straw man enemy that we have to all unite against now. And if you don't follow the green principles, we're going to come in and, and make you. Otherwise, you're going to kill our kids. You should look at that report from Iron Mountain. It's on PDF. It's very easy to get. And it'll just read it in an evening. It'll really, it's so obvious what they're doing. But there's, if you look at what, one of the things that Ukraine had to, had to die because they signed with Russia instead of the EU, there, and I don't know if this was exactly what Yanukovych, who was the, no, Yanukovych is the, ambassador right no that's Yovanovitch. okay yanukovych was the president we replaced Mm -hmm. in a coup democratically elected president very corrupt guy we took him out because he signed with russia an agreement with like a loan and gas prices and stuff like that but he did not sign with the eu what they ended up signing with the eu after that guy was run out of town is this agreement it's not called the eu agreement it's it's called like something agreement, association agreement, I think it's called. And it has like 500 bullet points in it, including like real minutiae about how to deal with health, how to propagandize people against, uh, you know, how to use alcohol and um, bring yoga in there. And, uh, and I'm sure there's a ton of green principles and that, and then, oh, and then I saw like an ad in a Ukrainian newspaper. I was looking at online about like, or an article saying, oh, we just invited like the world leader in yoga to come teach our teachers. So mm-hmm. they do it. And, but this Rosa Quar, who I never heard of before, someone recently turned me on to her. I just bought her book, but I haven't read it yet called Behind the Green Mask. She was a zoning inspector, something like that in California. And she saw what they were doing, like, like systemizing all of the laws and regulations. And she knew it had nothing to do with local government or even state or federal law. It was a global law. And she explained it very well in that she said, you have to have, in order to control everything from the top, to really be able to control a few people on top all around the world, all the systems have to be uniform. They have to be regular. They have to be the same everywhere so that you can just kind of press a button and everything changes that way. And I believe that that is at the heart of like Trump's first thing he said when he got won his election that night, only policy issue he talked about was getting an infrastructure deal in place, which is a green thing. It's a a real world changing thing. It's like a driverless car thing. But I feel like we go and go into these other countries in part to to get them to force upon them these regular systems mm-hmm. i know it sounds a little crazy but no, so i did want to I, I did want to talk to you about the one world government a little bit bring it now hey, does, it, does it i'll, I'll does be it right back it? just roll with it sure okay does it explain it if you call it global governance because if you, if you Google global governance, you get like a think tank in every country that's well-funded, that has a name like Rockefeller or Bosch or anything like that. And it's like, oh, you, uh, you're crazy because you think of world government, but we're plotting global governance at all levels. Anyway, sorry. So, uh, so do you think it's like the UN? I don't think the UN's in charge. I mean, that, that Victoria Nuland call I was talking about earlier, where she said at the EU, she talks about how she kind of told Ban Ki-moon and Joe Biden to bless her coup. 
And then she went back and did a press conference with, or a uh, report, not a press conference, a little um, private little talk to Chevron and Exxon telling her, like, telling them, hey, we spent $5 billion. We're going to deliver Ukraine. You just wait. But she said that. So I don't, I don't think y- y- the UN, we, nobody answers to them, but they, I believe that they do answer to whoever wants to put this stuff in place. Okay. And That's it's getting there. And the way it's working, the way it works, the way it's going to work is they wanted to do a world government and it wasn't really working. They weren't getting what they wanted all way back in like the forties. So they put the UN in place as a prototype or like a incremental kind of starting point. But the way they actually have always planned to do it. And one of the organizations that was in charge of it was the trilateral commission, which was like North America, Europe, and Asia. And they were kind of making economic zones. And that's what, like, it looked like the TPP and the TIPP or whatever, the, one, the Pacific one and the Atlantic one were coming down right before Trump came in. And he blew it up. But then he gave us what's going to pass this week probably is this USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement. And that's, that's going to be the thing that everything plugs into, like I think UK, everything like that. So it's going to start as a, like a trade zone. And then they bring in like labor regulations and environmental regulations. And then they have interoperability of the military. That's like in some of these documents. I don't know if it's in the USMCA, but it will be. I, I think it probably is. And that, that's how you do it. It's just a bunch of agreements. It's not like you have a referendum in the U.S. and everybody plugs in and, and uh, votes. It just happens. I think that's what's happening. Because they try to do it where everybody just votes and it doesn't work. Like CISPA and SOPA, like the uh, censorship and surveillance ones, they were trying to pass. Remember when the internet shut down? It was just black. It had yep. stop signs on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were trying to pass these laws and they, it just wasn't happening. So then all of a sudden you have like a million, you know, terrorism is all, all of a sudden a digital phenomenon and that's it. So then you just get Twitter to do it. Yeah, right. there, there was a, I remember back in the day, there was talks of the North American Union. Exactly. Yeah. Heidi Cruz and William Weld. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> William Weld was the vice president, the libertarian. Yeah. The day he got nominated for the libertarian thing, it's like, oh, I just read the platform. Looks good. The day he became the VP candidate for the Libertarian Party. It's wild. So anyway, he was instrumental. He was one of the two top signatories on that, Mm. uh, the North American Union. And they lay it out. And I feel like the USMCA is is as far as they could go right now with that. But it's it's a living document from what I can tell. So it doesn't matter what it says right now. They can change it internally, like through their free trade commission that they established. So they can just change it and they can plug other, I believe they can plug other deals into it. So like I said, I knew they wouldn't do China, the China deal until USMCA was signed off on. And they did, it was like within two days. And then you're like, okay, they're looking at what USMCA looks like. They're going to structure China and that's going to plug in. And I feel the same thing for Brexit. Okay. You're kind of ruining my day. (laughs) Sorry. I know. Welcome to my world. This is why I started a cocktail blog because at the end of the day, I'm just like, does anybody know how to make a pink lady? All right. I'm going to have to do this myself. (laughs) Recently, I've been thinking though, uh, start like a conspiracy theory podcast just to blow off steam. (laughs) Like some of these crazy geopolitics. Like it's upset. You get into it and it, 
it upsets you. Like that's yeah. the thing. I never believed in chemtrails at all. Like none, none, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then just people kept bombarding me with it. And then I started looking up and I was like, uh, really? Yeah. Do I really have to do this right now? I wish, I really wish I had not noticed that because there is nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. Yeah. That ruins my day. Like I can't yeah. even walk my dogs without being like, what? What is their problem? <laughs> Why? <laughs> right. Yeah, 100%, dude. Um, you know? I never bought any when you just start screaming and run back inside. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just get, I just get so, and then my family like bums because nothing really gets to me but that. And they're just like, would you stop with that, mom? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I never bought into chemtrails either. I had a friend, a good friend of mine. He was a, he got me into like Ron Paul and like the 9-11 truth movement and stuff like that. And he, uh, he would take pictures of chemtrails uh, like in the sky and just, constantly showing me he's like i don't fucking care what the clouds look like dude you know and then like i was like he's he's nuts you know anyway everybody right. you know call him crazy nick and right. uh and uh then i saw the video recently uh, it was on a podcast tinfoil hat podcast with sam tripoli um and he had a video of john brennan talking about it that they i've have- never seen that we got to find that and put it up. On yeah, Twitter I got. I, I looked for it yesterday and I couldn't find it, but I remember watching it when that podcast episode came out, and it was it was wild. I was like, dude, he's blatantly saying they're controlling the weather with chemtrails. It's so hard to get your mind around it, and you'll see. You can see pictures of where, like, we, my husband and I were at Jazz Fest, and the plane was so low that you could see the four things, the four sprayers were not coming out of the engines. Because my uh-huh. husband doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, I don't even care. I don't, <laughs> yeah. you, you might even be right. That's what my kids are like. I think <laughs> I, I want to know that you, you do your little work. <laughs> We're going to like learn how to play the drums or whatever. <laughs> like, we don't need that, to know that. And uh, he just looked up and he was just like, yep. It doesn't really look like it's coming out of the <laughs> engines. I'm like, I know, I know. And he just, everybody was just like. Yeah. You're never and, coming with us to justice. And honestly, like I don't want to, I don't want to believe these things. I want to think that Edward Snowden is a uh, man, as a role model. I'm I want to believe that the government isn't controlling the weather, and mm-hmm. I want to think Alex Jones is crazy. But well, reality, Alex Jones is probably like fake. If that helps. Well, yeah, I think he is uh, <laughs> definitely a psyop of sorts. Yeah, for sure. But limited hangouts are great. I love them. Like I, I just, I'm all in favor of them. They have to go that far to get control of our minds. And if we have any kind of discernment, we can take what, the good stuff from it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's, it, it's good to look into these things for, I mean, once you see the truth, I mean, it is kind of like, uh, like a good example, great example. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks. So I'll just jump right into it is the Hong Kong protests. Like, when it happened, I was like, hell yeah, great example of a fucking revolution in progress, right? And then, like, you start looking into it, and the National Endowment for Democracy is involved, and all these war hawks are going over and meeting with the leaders of the protests, and they don't call themselves rioters, even though they are actually rioting to a certain extent. Um, not that I have any problem. I don't have any problem with a country that wants, like, a form of secession or to get autonomy. That's a great thing. But when you have all these players sticking their hands in it, you know, and coming and getting involved, like Marco Rubio was over there meeting with Jimmy, or was it Jimmy Lai? I think he was meeting with. And this is like, this is insane. Like they're prepping the battlefield. Like Hong Kong's the new Kuwait. That's the way I see it, honestly, is that they're prepping the battlefield for for a China war. I, I think it's really weird how 
the media is really trying to make the American people connected with them because like, Oh, look at all, all the Hong Kong people waving the flags and be more like them, you know? Um, Oh, there was a Pepe flag. You see that? Yeah. Pepe (laughs) sign. Well, uh, Well, they're also saying a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, a lot of Hong Kong citizens are actually extremely xenophobic, especially towards like Chinese and people from Beijing. And that they, uh, I mean, they have like all sorts of cartoons and stuff like that, demonizing the Chinese people and stuff like that. And I'm not saying the Chinese government's great, has its flaws. I mean, I think it's still a communist government, isn't it? I think it's fascist. Okay. I would characterize it as fascist. Not great. I mean, they're about as good as North Korea, which is not good, I guess, you know, but, uh, it's just it's it's very strange that the media is really putting these guys up on a pedestal for it's like, hey, look at revolution. Look what happens when you have a tyrannical government. It's like, you know, why would you want why would you want to, I guess, impose dissidents to? I mean, the mainstream media is actually extremely authoritarian, you know, into into how you think. Yeah, I I guess with the Hong Kong thing, I don't really know the ultimate goal of it. You're your proposition that it's about sparking the next war, like a Kuwait thing, I actually hadn't thought of that. That's just such a big idea that I, I just think the next war is in Iran. You know, I just can't even get my mind around that. And if you're going to do that, maybe you want to hold off on China. But, you know, Russia is going to be in that one and maybe you can get China to wait. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe we just want to go nuclear. I don't know. But my thinking about Hong Kong was that. First of all, like I read immediately in Ron Paul Institute, I think it was Tony Cartolucci who wrote about the involvement of the National Endowment for Democracy, which is funded by the federal government. It's the front organization. It's always meant to be, it says it's a private organization, but it's not. Fairly recently, China kind of banned that human rights watch free, I don't know, a bunch of things like that. They banned these organizations, which I would say from their perspective, it was a valid thing to do because those were those are subversive organizations who are trying to interfere with their their government which it was interesting because recently on one of my shows the propaganda report my co-host Binkley played for me some clips this is what he does just to make me crazy and then that's when it's fun but the he played some clips from the Council of Foreign Relations where they were kind of talking about how they have to censor the media and and that because they can't really do it under the First Amendment, they have to they have to get social media to do it. And that even that if you have like in Facebook, Russians who come and say that uh, that that convince people to actually go out and demonstrate, that's Russian subversion. So so how do you stop that? How do you stop? And I remember thinking, that's McCarthyism. And McCarthy. That whole House Un-American Activities Committee was about people who belonged to the to CPUSA, the Communist Party of the United States. And I remember as a kid thinking, my my parents loved Joe McCarthy. They loved him. They wanted they wanted to stamp out communism. And I remember th- and he ended up being right about a lot of the stuff that they rail- they they said that he was wrong about after the Soviet Union fell. A lot of that stuff came out. But the so. They, they said that the CPUSA was an arm of a foreign government that is actually controlled or funded or whatever by the USSR itself. Mm-hmm. So that's what the CFR, who acts like they're liberal, whatever, are actually doing. They're trying to suppress 
anything that they are justifying, they're trying to justify this. Sorry, the CFR is trying to justify uh, suppressing political activity on our part as, as having originated with Russia, which is exactly right. what the House, House Un-American Activities Committee was doing. Now, China is doing the same thing in Hong Kong against us. We are Russia, Russian election interference there. Yes. But my, my take on Hong Kong is that Hong Kong has it better than the rest of China and that they aren't meant to, they aren't scheduled to unite with China until 2047. This is accelerating that process because China is taking away their freedoms because their freedoms are causing problems and they know how to crack down. If their answers crack down, then Hong Kong did not deserve to have the special status. They're rooting for themselves. And, uh, and that even the, even the thing that Marco Rubio championed, this like human rights act that, everybody signed off on and I believe it passed. It was, it makes Hong Kong's status being cracked down upon, whatever it, it, it makes it, it voids Hong Kong's special status for us Mm -hmm. so that what's happening over there is going to make it impossible for even us to treat it better than China. China's pulling out their shipping. They're not allowing our Navy to go over there. So it seems to me they're accelerating the process of Hong Kong getting reunited with China. And I, I, I mean, in 3D chess, you never know if that's part, if that's what we want, that maybe Hong Kong is a stronghold for them. Maybe it, 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 it pro- produces so much strength for them, or maybe China's, we ultimately think that we can get them in our back pocket. I mean, Mao went mm-hmm. to Yale. Mao was a Yaley. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, so if I'm going to get the, it's, this is kind of like of a new thought, I guess that I've, that I've been, you just brought up is that you, uh, is that the belief that, uh, the involvement of all these players is kind of pushing Hong Kong t- back towards China rather than away from it, which was originally intended with the extradition law. Like that, that, that's what, well, it's isn't like that kind of crazy was intended, but yeah. I don't, I think it may be the, int- I don't think there ever have unintended consequences. I think okay. Pretty sophisticated. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's that's, Pretty crazy. Um, I mean, not crazy in a bad way. It's crazy in a good way. Well, why would they want my that? Mind. Yeah. There's two possibilities. Hong Kong is a source of strength for China mm-hmm. as something that gets to access the outside world in a big way. So cut that off. They have that huge stock exchange. They were trying to buy the London Stock Exchange. That could have been why we took action. They were just like, <laughs> you're going too far there, Hong Kong. And then that deal got, I believe that's what was, I think the Hong Kong Stock Exchange was going to buy the London Stock Exchange and that deal got scuttled because of the unrest. Okay. Uh, and um, so maybe they're trying to, to cut off a source of strength for China or, and I don't think this, I don't believe this, but there is a, a chance that we're doing it for China. I don't believe that, but there is always the chance that, that there's some back, back office deal going on and we're like, well, we'll cause this problem. I, I don't believe that, but I think China does not like what's going on in Hong Kong, but there's always that chance. Like the thing with North Korea, like I almost wonder, I noticed there were these protests in Vietnam because China wants to bring in a bunch of factories. And so you said, what's China? I think China's fascist, okay. not communist. So yeah. communists would say that the people own the factories, but fascist, because mm. China went, I believe they went fascist. They gave oligarchs, whatever, you know, Christmas ornament factories. So they're like, just to keep them working, you know, to keep the, 
economic engine progressing. Because if you go back to Marx, Marxism happens after capitalism has done its work. So mm-hmm. all the factories are built and then the people can just run them. You don't need to innovate anymore. But that's not true. So you need an engine of innovation. I think China realized that they didn't, like Russia gave political freedom before they gave economic freedom and the USSR fell. But China didn't give the political freedom, but it gave them economic freedom. And I almost feel like they became like the true materialists that Marx wanted, like, you know, totally devoid of anything but materialism. And it worked, you know, but it's not good. And then, so, so Vietnam was protesting China wanting to bring the factories in there. And I started thinking maybe China's just running out of, of dirt cheap labor. You know, that's mm. what happens. That's what, I, you know, I don't like government rules and everything, but ultimately that, that could happen in highly advanced society. So I wonder if that's why they want in North Korea, that North Korea is a pawn. And, and whatever we're doing over there is really just about getting Chinese factories in there because a place that just doesn't have, that isn't plugged into the rest of the world wage-wise and everything is like the last bastion of, of that kind of like uh, real cheap factory labor. That's, so I just feel like there could be a whole nother layer of this chess game that we don't even mm. know about. But people, the Chinese people, the Chinese government seems pissed about what's happening in Hong Kong. So that's why I really don't think that that's really what's happening. But ultimately, maybe they're just not even in on it. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like it seems like China's sort of feeling the pressure from the tariffs put on through the, the U.S. And I, I think I mean, I think there's more countries involved in Chinese tariffs, too. And I think it's. It's hurting them for sure. I mean, tariffs have historically killed a lot of people economically. I think, yeah, I think that we are trying to use that USMCA to, I think there's a, a, a massive paradigm shift in worldwide trade. I think we're leveling up as far as world government or global government goes. I think, so the Wall Street Journal had this huge article today, maybe, or yesterday that said, trade deal, a break from the past. I had just read a lengthy paper written by a professor and his assistant or a student at the Ottawa Law School that compared the TPP with the USMCA. So the thing that was the Obama's thing and this is Trump's thing. And it actually addressed, is this consistent with the progression of trade as we've seen it? Or is it a break from the past? And not only was 57% of the actual text lifted from TPP, 72% of the actual articles and clauses were from the TPP. And the conclusion expressly was that this is a continuation of this trade progression and not a break from the past. So I believe that that progression was always meant to be plugging in every country. First you regionalize and then you plug them all in. And if China wants to run the table that's not going to be so easy because they might have their own ideas. So I would think bringing them to their knees putting this USMCA in place, maybe you plug in that little remnant TPP that got done anyway. So yeah, I think, I think there's a struggle for the power in China. And I mean, I just, that one really eludes me. I almost wonder if there's competing factions there or they're like Nixon or JFK or Reagan. I always think those guys got taken out, even though I'm not positive about Reagan, but JFK and Nixon were deep insiders, deep insiders, those guys. Mm-hmm. And they got taken out by the yeah. deep state. Why? Because they were their own men. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, I got the power. I'm the guy. 
So I think maybe in China, we're like, no, 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 no. We made you. We gave you Mao. We trained Mao. We mm-hmm. made you. And they're like, no, no, I'm the guy. So it could be just like that. In which case, I think you get your head blown off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's actually a pretty interesting fact, too, uh, especially with the impeachment craziness. I know you're not a huge fan. Um, I think this is just a very clever distraction from other important things. I mean, we like like uh, the Afghanistan papers came out recently exposing that just the military budget was over oh, almost a trillion dollars. And then they got the defense budget increased over a billion dollars recently. Like, what the and, fuck? And I always double or triple those numbers for this reason. The government, federal government, gov- the Democrats, Republicans, they all act like there's horse trading. Like George W. Bush was always like, well, I need, we all know I need a trillion dollars for this war. So I guess I have to give them a trillion dollars for whatever, you know, when everybody, everybody wants two trillion. Like they're all in on it together. The Democrats want the defense industry. They, they probably decide who gets to vote for and against, you know, just based on their constituents, but it's organized from above. So I do think that they, that the numbers that the, that kind of horse trading costs us so much more than just even what's spent on defense because they act like they have to bargain for it. Mm. And it's just, you know, an over, you know, it's just. Makes a lot of sense. I did want to ask you about the impeachment. So I'm assuming you know who Dave Smith is. Oh my gosh. I was just starting to listen to him. I have a listener who like will not stop bugging me. I'm not a huge podcast listener because I feel like, it either actually interferes with my original thought or it makes me question whether I'm having original thoughts. And, I, and I'm just like, I can't. So I just try to consume raw information and not, not go for people who can really think. So, but, I, but it's so many people are telling me to listen to him that I think I have to. Yeah, okay. He is, he is awesome. But the way that he explains the impeachment is more of a CIA coup against Trump. And from listening to you, it sounds like you... I, I might be wrong, so tell me if I am, but it seems like you believe Trump's in on it and the entire thing is 100% theater. I have no idea if he's in on it or not. I don't, that never matters to me. It, you can set somebody up without them knowing they're in on it. They can know that they're being set up and don't know the important details. Like, how do you get a guy to never talk when he's tortured? Don't tell him anything. So, say you've got a mission do what I say. And he doesn't have to know. He didn't. I mean, Trump, in my mind, is an actor who was created by Jeff Zucker, who runs CNN. His father got rich through congressional housing subsidies. So his sister's a federal judge. He got a lot of money, which he blew up in casinos, getting a license that wasn't strictly by the book. He, his biggest asset probably in his family's history is the DC post office, which Diane Feinstein's husband is in the upper management of the brokerage that awarded that, who got that. It's a, it was a windfall. So this guy is a guy, I think he's a small time operator who makes a lot of money playing that game for himself and his family. I think Biden... <laughs> They, I think those Democrats operate on a whole different level. I think John Kerry and Biden are in bed with the Chinese government, with Kolomoisky, the Ukrainian oligarchs at the highest, highest levels, huge money, billions. 
So you have a guy like Trump in there who, in my mind, his number one purpose is, and this is how I thought about it, it's like, Obama was nothing compared to Trump for this. Who could keep the world distracted from anything of real content for years, every day, year after year? I mean, I've yeah. never seen anything like it. No, it's, it's, like, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. And, and so if he's just one of a bunch of clowns who interviewed for the part, they didn't know who the party was being thrown for or who was going to, maybe it was an <laughs> eyes wide shut party. I don't know. I'm just the clown. I don't know. I'm not yeah. calling him a clown. I don't think he's a clown, but I think that he's playing a part. I think he, he probably thinks that's how business works. You know, it's all about the deal. This is my role. I'm playing this role. Like you have to play a role. I think he's a real person. I, I just think that he's playing a role. And when I first heard that, that call with Zelensky, my first response was, who, who wrote that? Somebody wrote that for him. Even if he's the most above board guy in the world, somebody wrote JFK's speeches. I mean, yeah. Trump isn't like a master of Ukrainian geopolitics. He's a busy guy. He's got a lot of hands to shake. Somebody's writing that stuff for him. So who wrote it and why? He didn't need to know that. And as it plays out, I think that he, they assure him there's nothing to worry about. Maybe he'll ride off into the sunset like Obama. Maybe he'll end up like, you know, I'm not even going to say, but like maybe they just take him out. He has a heart attack. Oh, I, I was going to say JFK. <laughs> I was thinking that. But um, I hate to get jinxy. And, the, and there was like all this weird stuff about the Secret Service during Obama. And I was always wondering, like, was that a message? Just like, hey, man, these guys aren't really that good. So you might want to just do what you're told. Like your bodyguards might just like trip over their shoelaces someday and you're out. Right. I don't know. So I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to believe that it's sinister on his part. But it's definitely a distraction. I mean, the proof for me, or I should say that a very compelling piece of evidence was when Pelosi released the USMCA deal two hours after she released the articles of impeachment. And there was a picture same day of our trade rep, Lighthizer, a CFR guy, and the Canadian foreign minister, assistant foreign minister, and the president of Mexico in Mexico City signing the thing that day. <laughs> this is something that had been negotiated that was like wrangling that Lighthizer said, it's a miracle they came to terms on this. I was like, oh, really? They've been, it's a miracle that you happen to pick the day that this miracle would happen after a year of wrangling? Like, and you're standing there with your gold pen? Like, I just don't buy it. <laughs> and, but, but mainly she did it two hours after the articles of impeachment. And all the people who love Trump, see, that's the thing, like, What's his name? Kavanaugh. People were like, oh, we need to defend Kavanaugh. It's like Kavanaugh covered up the Vince Foster murder. <laughs> yeah. Kavanaugh is the worst Republican. He works for the, he covered up for the Clintons. He's the worst Republican candidate you could ever have ever. How could you possibly make that guy seem defensible? It's attack him unfair, attack him unfairly. Mm -hmm. So I feel like all this stuff is just, uh, it's like smoke and mirrors and it, you keep your eye off the ball. Yes, 100%. I agree yeah, with that wholeheartedly. Um, only one reason why I don't think this is deep state coup, and I listen to Dave Smith quite a bit too, um, and he makes valid points, but the only reason I don't think this is like a deep state coup with the intelligence agencies is because, I mean, they killed Kennedy pretty early on, you know, and his presidency. Reagan. 
Yeah. His, that assassination attempt was within months, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Months. And, uh, you know, and that was, you, you threaten taking a budget away from some of the most violent people in the world. And that's what happens, you right. know? So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think this is 100% a distraction from some other things that are extremely more important in the world right now. And I also think, I would never think it was a deep state coup because I think absolutely positively anyone with any kind of juice like that wants him reelected because he has a couple of jobs to do. Yeah. I had predicted, I thought Hillary was going to win, but I predicted that this president was going to be the censorship president. Obama was the surveillance state president. He implemented that. This is the censorship president. But Trump has a war to start and he has an economic crash to take responsibility for. Yes. And they... They could crash it now. They could start the war now, but they don't even have a year to start a massive war that, that you, a Democrat would have to say, I just couldn't, I, it was too late. I mean, he needs four years for it. It's too late. Fight, if you're in the, I didn't like the war, but if you're in the war, you got to fight the war. You know, like that, yeah. it's going to take some time. And I think they really have to crash, crash. I think they will crash the economy and they want to make him, take responsibility for it. So I think the deep state wants him in there unless the deep state is different from like another, if there are two factions at the top, but I don't really think so. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I, mean, I get to the point, like with China, I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been really big economists that have been predicting a pretty catastrophic economic collapse. That's going to be happening relatively soon. Peter Schiff, I think. Yeah, I know him. Um, I mean, I don't know he him. Was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, like, oh, you know him? Like, no, no, I mean, yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, and he got famous through the, the Occupy Wall yes. Street guys. Like, I'm the 1%, ask me anything or whatever. Yes, and, I remember that. And yeah, then he, he said, was, what's a meme? Yeah. <laughs> if you go back and watch that video, the guy asked him a question, and, he, and Peter Schiff says, what's a meme? It's just funny <laughs> because it's a little anachronistic yeah. these days. Yeah, But he, yeah, he was he, Dr. He, Doom. He predicted the yeah. real estate crash. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And was accurate with that. And he's predicting, I think it was a year or two ago, he's predicting one to happen in the next three or four. This so. is what, what I thought of. I don't remember what prompted me to go down this path, but something did. And I, I looked at, I'm kind of a numbers person. I was an investment banker and I, uh -huh. I'm good with like, you know, charts and stuff. So I looked at, Interest rates were so low and I thought, can they keep, I forget, there was something really interesting that prompted me. It must've been a Fed statement or something. They made me look into it. But anyway, so I was looking at, here's this expansion that's been going on for like 11 years now, something like that. That's a long time for an expansion. So you kind of expect a crash, I think, is how the paradigm has been working for like a hundred years, whatever. Yeah. So, so during the crashes, the, the way this system works, the way it's supposed to work, I don't like it, but this is how they, it's supposed to work. They lower interest rates to soften the blow of that big crash. And the average amount, I looked over the past, whatever it was, five of, of the crashes, the average amount, some is much, much more and some is a little bit less, but it's usually at least 5%, five percentage points. So the, the interest rates at seven, it goes down to two. It's at 13, it goes down to whatever, six. Hmm. The interest rate's at two right now, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I'm like, I can't, 
And then, uh, so if it's act two and it's an 11 year, you know, it's a, a really old expansion, it's probably going to correct. And it would, ha- if it corrects like any other one, it's, I assume they would want to remedy it like any other one, which would take like a good five points to cushion that blow. And then when, so that people can borrow more and keep spending, even though they don't have a lot of money. Uh-huh. So, so once it gets to where they can't lower the interest rate anymore and you can't borrow anything to spend money and you lose your job, then other people will lose their jobs. See what I mean? Like it used to be you'd yeah. lose your job, but they give you, you could refinance your house and your wife still has a job, but you can't refinance your house because it's only 2%. It's not going to do it. Yeah. So then, so then half the people who could use debt, cheap debt to kind of soften the blow. This is just one little example to kind of get your mind around it. They can't do anything. And then more people will lose their jobs because that will be a deeper cut to consumption. Cause this is all like Keynesian is all about consumption. Yes. Like our system is all about consumption and debt. And I just don't think they can expand debt to fix that. And I think they're going to wait. I think they can get to Trump getting reelected. Oh, and the other thing is steel demand is very low. Steel demand is going down. And that I read William Eng- Engdahl, you know, William Engdahl, William Engdahl. Not, he's like, no. uh, I don't know if he's an oil engineer or what, but he's a German guy. Very good books. You'd really like it. Okay. Anyway, he, he was saying like, uh, it's not good to look at like unemployment and like this kind of stuff to understand the economic health. The, the best thing to look at for like kind of civilizational economic health is steel consumption. And the only place okay. that's really consuming steel is China. So that's real growth. It's going down in China, but I think like the rest of the world, like their growth rate is declining, but I think the rest of the world is like negative growth. Like they're using less steel Mm -hmm. than they were using last year. So ever since he said that to me, I'm always kind of like, has steel demand? And that's why, oh, I think it was all prompted by these weird steel tariffs that are coming out. Like this weird trying to prop, prop up on the one hand, and this was another Engdahl thing. I thought of it, but he really laid it out that he came up with the documents to support it, that maybe we are doing the tariffs. Maybe we're bringing steel, encouraging steel production here, all that kind of stuff for like autarky, I think it's called, where you are, you have to be self-sufficient in war because you might be embargoed or blockaded. So if you can't make everything you need for your defense industry in your country, you're very vulnerable, as we have seen with from Japan to Germany. like. It's mm-hmm. they're you're very vulnerable. So he was saying that he read the like procurement documents and there's like an essay about it. Like we have a procurement crisis and this, that, and this area. So that kind of stuff all folds in together, I think for the war talk. But, um, but that's how I realized that steel was, was kind of hitting the skids and that made me super worried about Try not to get too numbery because... No, yeah. No, you're good. Yeah. You got, no, you got that, to drink makes... a couple of bangs or a monster to get through a little <laughs> five minutes of economics. So you're a fan of bang? My daughter drinks bang. It is Jeez. like, I can't... I, would, I almost it's rather like do coke. I just, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with a little cocaine? Like, why uh, would you... Yeah. She, it's 300 milligrams of caffeine, which is like... Yeah. I think my coffee is like 50. I take two yeah, cups of coffee. Yeah. It's a hundred milligrams. And she, she drank two bangs. The other day. She's like, mom, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm worried about my test. I'm like, <laughs> you're worried about your test. Is that what the hell? And I said, you're going to go to the hospital. She said, Oh, you don't go to the hospital. So you get 700 milligrams. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you obviously know nothing about drugs. It's not that cut and dried. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> dude, <laughs> you I, don't know. 
So I finished my uh, army career, I guess you can say. My time in the army, I finished it in recruiting. So it's like a sales environment and it's very high energy. Uh, at one point, I was drinking four bangs a day. Oh, Are that's you? so gross. Yeah. That's it takes nuts. me like four hours Dude, to drink a bag. people tell yeah. me you can't no, get it I, I would drink one on my way to work. No, I, I would drink one on my way to the gym. Then I would drink one on the way to work. I'd have one for lunch. And then I'd have one on my way home. It How'd was, you sleep? It was uh, what? Not very well. I was actually sleepwalking a lot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a very that, stressful time. I don't think it has sense. to do with the No, yeah, extremely stressful. Yeah. And I was also, <laughs> oh, really? I was also hitting the booze hard. Hmm. <laughs> so. Well, I call those, I always try to put like hard drug names. My family's, I lost two siblings to drugs. Oh, so, but I like people is terrible, but I'm the youngest of nine. They're older. There was, you know, a different era, whatever. But, yeah. um, I always like to put hard drug names on stuff so people understand what they're doing. So I made, <laughs> so I invent cocktails, right? So, mm. so I made a cocktail with this great almond liqueur and some leftover coffee I had, cold coffee. And uh, so I called it a speedball. <laughs> and my husband was like, you can't call that a speedball. I'm like, what? It's like heroin and cocaine. You know, it's like up and down at the same time. <laughs> so I changed it to up and down. He's like, oh, that's a golf thing. That's fine. I'm like, well, why mask it? You got, you're doing your caffeine and your alcohol. You're doing your speedball. Like, why can't, why, let's just, because I'm like, an, I'm an opponent of the drug war. Yeah. So I want people to realize, like, why do you get to pick the drugs that we all have to use? Like, what, what if there are better drugs? Right. So anyway, I try to, but that's, that's when you need all that caffeine is so that you can get through the alcohol. I actually noticed when I quit smoking years ago that the smoking was just a way to keep you awake so you could drink more. Uh-huh. That's not good. <laughs> that's what I realized. <laughs> so I never had a drinking problem until I moved from Manhattan to Texas where people drove cars. Then my drinking was yeah. a problem. So I changed my habits. And I started drinking at home. Then I didn't have a drinking problem until I had children. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they get up before dawn. <laughs> you know, like they get up with the birds, which I discovered is before you can see light in the sky. And then I, again, it was a drinking problem. But my uh, consumption did not change. It's just, it became a problem. So mm. I try to, that's when I started making actual cocktails that had something other than booze in them. Like it was like booze plus something. <laughs> yeah. Try not to relate. drink during the week. You know. What? I can relate. Yeah, I'm just getting too old for like the Manhattan. It's like, it's not, it's just straight booze. Like I would, I would get martinis and got to the point where the guy said, uh, the bartender, I was like, you know, I said, there's just always too much vermouth in this. And he said, I stopped putting vermouth in your martinis like a year ago. <laughs> I was drinking straight gin. I was like, it's just not strong enough. Yeah. I was like, okay. So, uh, but anyway. I'm a, I'm a bartender. And, oh, really? Um, I haven't been very long and I always make the joke that I'm the least qualified in all of the stockyards in Texas. <laughs> well, uh, Oh, are you a bartender in the stock? Are you in Texas? Yeah. My husband's from Texas and uh, he, so he just loves that. My hobby is to make cocktails and he also collects wine and, and people ask him how he knows so much about wine. He's like, you got to drink a lot to know a lot about drinking. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a good point. So I bet you're a great bartender if you, uh, if you drink a lot. Yeah. Well, what I drink is just straight whiskey most of the time. So 
Yeah, yeah. I'm too old for that. I can't take it anymore. I want to have like more drinks. Yeah. So I can't, if I have straight whiskey, I'm like out by, well, used to be 9.30. Now it's probably 7.30, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, drink, I drink mostly PBR and Budweiser. I'm a, I'm a classless uh, heathen. No, I can't. I can't waste my time with that stuff. Wine and all that, because it's just yeah. never ending. Yeah, like at yeah. least with cocktails, you can count them. But with True. the other stuff, yeah. it's like, I don't know. Did I start this bottle? Is it, is this the second bottle? Is it half the, was the other one? The other one was, I already opened. That one doesn't count. <laughs> anyway. Awesome, the last dude. time I drank Keystone, I drank 15 of them. And I was still like, okay. Well, yeah. that's <laughs> because you've habituated. You didn't do that after like fasting for a year. You did that because you were up to 15. <laughs> I guess, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, yeah. the, the day before you didn't drink zero you probably, or whatever. <laughs> like the week before you weren't down to nothing. You were it's like, true. That's yeah. true. So I have a <laughs> funny story. Uh, it'd be funnier if my brother was here, but he, uh, he got, we were both in the army together and he moved down to where I was stationed at in Fort Bliss, Texas. And we started this game where... It, we call it the Skull Challenge. So Skull is uh, Norwegian, right, Dane? Yeah, it's a Viking. Yeah, thing, but it means Norwegian. cheers, basically. And so our challenge was we started drinking at noon. And it was whoever could drink the most beers before midnight. And we had, like, challenges throughout it. It was extremely problematic. How <laughs> old were you? May I ask how old you uh, were? This was, was like a year ago. No, no, oh, it wasn't a year. God. It was not well, a year ago. you're pretty ago. young. It, it was uh, been two years ago. 2014. Oh, I guess the last yeah, one you did was like a year ago, ago, right? Yeah. You've done no, no, no we, ha- we haven't done another one since then. I got, dude, I got See, fucking blacked out, dude. Yeah, the next time, the uh, the next time we're all together, we're like, doing another one. <laughs> when you're young, you think yeah. that you can drink more. Like I used to think, like I think back and I'm like, oh, I used to be able to drink so much more. And then I like piece it together. And it's just that my tolerance for sloppy falling down drunkenness was much much higher like i cannot i never ever 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 do that now ever like my bar is way higher like i have teenagers yeah so i've had i've had the same thought because people will be like oh i'm old now and it's like no dude you just don't drink all the time yeah it's totally (laughs) not no i could do it much better now like i say way fewer stupid things now Mm. and i did that at the same alcohol level it's just that i had no self-respect at the time (laughs) right so it didn't i just didn't care and i now i think back i'm just like i look so much better i'm so much less of an asshole like this is a better way to live. I'm, from now on, I'm putting a little juice and simple syrup in my whiskey. <laughs> like, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Dude, it's a life changer. <laughs> when I was stationed in Korea, like the whole thing was like just get blacked out drunk almost every single night for a year. And it was like getting in fights all the time. And it's like, why, am, why did I not get kicked out of the army? I actually left Korea promoted. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I think, I mean, if they didn't want that to happen, it would never happen. Yeah. They, they have total control, right? My brother went to sign up during Vietnam. Signed up. Who does that? And uh, they sent him to Thailand. Did. did you? <laughs> not during Vietnam, the draft? but... No, not, during no. the draft. No. Nobody signed up during the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, you probably would have. And he did. And they stationed him in Thailand. And the base shared a chain link fence with the heroin factory. It was in Chiang Mai. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, for 50 cents, they would just pass it through. And his girlfriend, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, was a prostitute there. And I believe he thinks she really loved him. But I think perhaps 
because she was a junkie, she wanted him to like provide her with like the 50 cents or whatever. So they kick him out and they send him home young. He was young and, and they were, they gave him a dishonorable discharge. So they were going to give him, uh, they were going to take away his VA benefits. And my mother, who's very cheap, she, she was not happy that she got a junkie back, but she went to the governor or wrote to the governor or whatever. And she was just like, look, I gave you like the only healthy 18 year old to sign up for this war in four years. And you give me back a junkie and you tell me that he was dishonored, that he dishonored you and they reinstated him. And they, and so now he has VA benefits. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But I, but I'm just saying, it's a very sad story though. It was, he's, he's fine now. He's not the one who died of drugs, but, um, but he, so he, uh, it, it was my position that if they didn't want the GIs to do drugs, they wouldn't have built mm. the base next to a heroin factory or allow, you know, allowed it yeah. to go on like that. Yeah. So they're correct. They put two fences so you couldn't reach through. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty crooked. Um. So then he did it here for a long time though. He came back a junkie and they didn't have the stuff that he liked, the really, really good stuff mm. that you could snort. So for 10 years, he was clean, and then the good stuff popped up, and he fell right back into it. So they created a lot. I'm just saying they created a subculture here of Mm. guys who would have been uh, very productive, you know, real real independent individual men, like I was saying about Nixon and JFK. They would have had a lot. Like right now, that's what I think, like this mental health thing. They want to disarm the people who really know how to do stuff the veterans who know how to use guns and stuff and and like what bill barr is doing they they actually take those people that you've got to read the report from iron mountain they actually take them and neutralize them on purpose and then they create these dysfunctional subcultures also on purpose and uh and it infects society at the same time it neutralizes the strongest people who would be the leaders inside of the real men you ship them off and they come back uh wasted and then yeah here, maybe that's a maybe that's has something to do with the suicide rates yeah maybe well not just that but like re- the fucking insane red flag laws with vets yes and you know people are getting waxed because of yes. it. i mean you look at what's going on in virginia right now too and that is what what is specifically in virginia uh, i forget it's they, that second amendment yeah, thing right the sanctuary yes city. they signed off basically gun confiscation laws so if anybody gets like basically red flagged in virginia they're going to activate the national guard to go door to door and take them <laughs> for wow. lack of a better term uh they're i mean they're all going to political war with it and hopefully it doesn't come yeah. to that point but i mean it looks it's looking like the boogaloo is going to pop off in virginia relatively soon <laughs> It's just incremental. And I had a caller once on my show. So like, even if they don't get it this time, eventually it's not so crazy sounding because you're used to it. But I had a caller in Atlanta who called in a long time ago and said, the Democrats are not going to take your guns. It will take a Republican. And I've been saying it ever since. And I knew with Trump, like he says stuff like that. People go to the mat for that guy, but he has no ideology. So he has no principles. He is his, his, his pride is that he negotiates everything. Everything is negotiable. That's not yeah. what I want. And the guy, the last stand between <laughs> me and the second amendment. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dan Crenshaw is a, a red blooded neocon and he's all for red flag laws. 
Well, oh, that's what they're doing. They're having the Republicans do it. And this is what they're yeah. saying is the thing. They're saying Republicans are not willing to just have common sense gun control laws. Mm. So there, I call it the everything but. So they'll take away every other right that you have. They'll have your life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, the First Amendment. They'll take away everything. That's what they're doing. Look up Project Guardian by Bill Barr. It's where if you fail, so they, I'm calling it the everything but, and the Republicans are taking everything but, and then when, we're, when we've been uh, robbed of all of our rights to take political action through from the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, stuff like that, neutralized in that way, then the Second Amendment isn't going to be that hard to subvert yeah. anyway. 100%. Yeah, and I heard you on the status quo it. talking about that too, and that was... That's where I heard it from. Yep. All right. Yeah. Matt's a, Matt's become a good friend of ours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I really love talking to him. That was, it was really fun. I don't know what yeah. it was about him. I just found him so easy to talk to, but I, I, I repeat myself a little bit because I noticed this when I was in radio and they would tell me to do it. They would tell me all the time to do it. They're like, people aren't going to understand new ideas just once. Like if you have something important, you have to tell it over and over again because it's just, it takes so long to penetrate. And I'm not trying to propagandize people. I just, yeah. if it's relevant, I'm not going to say, well, I said that last week. I'm going to tell you right now because not everybody's heard it. And I think it is important. There's one really important thing in Project Guardian uh, that uh, if you look, it's Bill Barr's five point plan that he laid out and they go to DAs, they go to, they go to the locals so that, they don't have to pass federal laws, but they just plug them all in to their federal recommendations. They, that's that regularizing systems. But one of the things that he did was if you fail a background check, so if you go for a gun and you get a background check and you are declined, they investigate you. I've seen that. And, if, they, and if it's for mental health, they want to take action. They want to take action. They want to get an intervention going or perhaps involuntary incarceration because you express the desire to exercise your second amendment right. And they think that, that it's, that is a dangerous impulse for someone who doesn't pass their mental health requirements, which is what vaccines and chemtrails. Like what, what is that? Conspiracy theories. Yeah. People fail background checks wrong. Like it just happens for no reason because they, because of similar names and it's like you give them all your information mm-hmm. they have all of it i used to transfer firearms they have all of your information wow and they get that shit wrong quite quite often i was on a coming no and get denied list. so it was one of my buddies here. yeah but it wasn't me it was a, it was a a woman with my name monica perez who's a drug dealer who's like 3 years younger than i was different birth date i could see on their thing i was like that's not me <laughs> and I would miss planes. And somebody finally told me like on the QT, like, do you have a maiden name or something? You've got to stop using this name. You're never, ever going to make a flight again. I was like, That's funny. Oh. We, we went on leave. And when we were coming back, my buddy got like hit up by the TSA on a no fly list because somebody with the same first middle and last name was like on a terrorist watch list or something like that. Yeah. Well, but here, <laughs> take it another step. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, that happened to me numerous times. But take it another step and say, okay, so failing a background check is basically a crime or it's a call to action. It triggers their investigation of you. That's in the Project Guardian thing. Then if 
if they, they don't really have to give you a reason for the failing. What if they make you fail? Like that you're, you're flagged because someone doesn't like you politically. It's in the system. You try that gets you to fail. Then they get to investigate you. And if they deem you mentally unhealthy by whatever criteria, liking Ron Paul, I think was like a domestic terrorism thing in one of the fusion centers, like whatever, mm-hmm. then they can, they actually take, they can take, they can intervene. They can take steps if they deem you mentally ill. So it could so be a can, setup from the beginning. Yeah. So they can target you even though that you've never done right. anything so, wrong. And so it's what do you do? Because you're on a political list. You cannot apply for a gun license. It's a chilling thing. So then if you want to have a gun, it simply has to be not through that system. And if it, that's not possible for you, then you know you have to just do it on the QT and then someone's going to rat on you. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't even have to like repeal the second amendment. They just do all this crazy stuff and they go and they just tell the locals to do it. There's no law or anything. They just tell the locals to make state laws that way or regulations or whatever. And they could put laws on the gun stores that force them to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, when those, when the ATF is so involved in what you do, if there's something that they want you to do, you're going to do it. Because if you don't do it, one, you can get in a lot of trouble. And two, your entire business can get shut down. Oh, one of the things Barr said in a recent speech he made to the Policemen's Association, or um, I don't know what it's called, but it was a bunch of cops. He said, people need to stop mouthing off. You know, stop, stop criticizing the police. That, because they'll be, they might not get protection anymore if they do. And I'm from New York. When someone says that to you, <laughs> somebody might throw a brick through your window. It's, yeah, it's right. not somebody might. It's yeah. like, stay away from the windows tonight. Right. So he's using real thug tactics, in my opinion. And, uh, and Trump will go right along with it. Yeah, yeah. right. So we, are, we are coming close to end. I do I just want to ask you, yeah. because it's been so horrible Everything that we've talked about has been so horrible. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. No, but you no, know now great. why I have cocktails. <laughs> yeah, it's great. No, I, 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 I love it. I love it, love it dude. It. That's, I mean, you know, Monica, that's, that's why we got you on because we re- really do respect your opinion. And, like, the things that you say really are very uh, objective. And, I mean, you, you blew our minds with a lot of stuff, especially the Snowden thing, which really kind of set it off. And then, like, you know. It was the first time I heard uh, you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And I just try to be analytical. I do really don't have a horse in the race, but people yeah. get so mad at me. Like at these Christmas parties, yeah. boy, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because some people have, some people have horses in the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no horse in the race, but people get super mad at me. I'm like, hey, man, please, you think I want to be right about this? <laughs> yeah, no exactly. way. Like, please, I always want to be wrong. My default position is please prove me wrong. So <laughs> I appreciate the audience where I'm coming from. And I, yeah. I maybe don't even make sense if you don't like what I say, but I just try to bring the analytics to it. It's like that thing where I was just a math person. So I read an article and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I for real. It's awesome. Uh, so, Dane, you got anything else for the people, dude? Yeah, uh, I, didn't get to, I didn't finish my thought. Okay, yeah, yeah finish it. Yeah, what was the question? So, <laughs> everything that we've talked about is kind of, you know, doom and gloom. Do we have any hope? Do you see any hope? Oh, my gosh. Um, I do. And sometimes I never listen to the to the woo-woo stuff, they call it. I don't, I don't even know that they called it that, but like people who think it's all about like um, 
electricity or wavelengths or frequencies. Did you ever hear that? Like there's a kind of there's like libertarian podcasts there's conspiracy theory podcasts and you would think that those would be pretty popular but there's like really popular ones that talk about like aliens and interdimensionality and you know real like fifth dimension so way 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 more popular many more people listen to that stuff and every once in a while i'll listen to some good ones not i'm nowhere on any of that i don't get it at all i am a two-dimensional person i guess because i just don't have any insight as that but i had a thought that folds into what they think the answer is. And the answer, in my opinion, the hope is that the people who are kind of plotting this stuff are wrong about our fundamental nature. And, and my real insight, my real hope was that we are absolutely never going to beat them at their own game. Never, 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 never. But you could beat them by sounds crazy with love mm-hmm. like you could yeah. literally like not just be like hey man i'm not feeding that energy like i just i am not going to hate you and then you can you can think of it as like a god thing there's like yeah. no hope right if you're if we die when we're 80 or 85 we just blink out which may be the maybe the most likely scenario i have no idea but then I don't even really care anyway. Like, who cares? Like, I just wanted to drink my cocktails then, you know? <laughs> yeah. And this is a puzzle and a game. And if it's really important to them to, like, upload their consciousness into a computer or make, you know, cyborgs, whatever. I'm just going to tell my kids, like, just stick to your cocktails or whatever. But maybe there is a higher thing. And, and that the ant- that we're just here to figure something out and that, that what it is to figure out is that like it's all petty nonsense and we really need to just rise above it and neutralize them with love. And then you have your kids and you try to love them and that's what you tell them to bring out into the world. And I would say you might have to die for it, but that's okay. So like people think they're fighting, like people who call into my show, like Rush listeners, they think they're fighting the American Revolution and that they would fight it with muskets if they were there then. And I'm like, no. Fighting the American Revolution now is having the courage to see the truth, even if it might interfere with your paycheck or make you feel like you wasted most of your life by believing something that wasn't true. Mm. And then, I mean, maybe the answer is just like as a Zen thing, like it can come from any religious point of view if you want to do it that way and just tell your kids, you know, if stick to your guns, stick to your principles. And if you, that's, if you have to die for it, it doesn't matter. You won. And maybe that's the test. That's what we're here for. Right. So then if there is something after, even if it's a one in a million shot and you show up and you're like, Hey, I stuck to my guns. Yeah. I like it. 100%. Is that okay? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, no, that's why I'm not, I'm not sad because hey, I'm just yeah, like, this is all I can do. I've ever heard you say. <laughs> For sure. That's <laughs> great. But that's my philosophy of life. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I do like it. Yeah. I mean, you, you're talking to a couple of Christians here. So, you know, we, oh, well, we definitely have I'm that I'm a practicing that Catholic and okay. I really struggle with, with having a personal relationship with God, but I don't struggle with the idea that I have absolutely no idea what's in the fifth dimension and no one I have ever met or read or heard about has any idea. And the people who are the most atheistic 
don't even know the true nature of power on earth, right. much less the universe. Yes. So that's just not even a theory. <laughs> Definitely. Dude, this was a great episode. Um, I had loads of fun. I can't believe you didn't tell me that I could bring a cocktail. I'm sorry. We need to make them more public. Yeah, we need to let people know. Because, like, you know, all these libertarian podcasts are relatively uptight, and we're not that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Except for Uh, for episode 420 of Lions of Liberty, the cat (laughs) and car and bird, and they are... Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, but, like, some... One of them or both of them like eight edibles, which takes like an hour to kick in. <laughs> so it was because it was episode 420. So I'm listening to it. I like Harmford. I like Lions Liberty. I'm listening to it. And then like halfway through, like what the fuck are these guys talking about? Like <laughs> what the hell? So then I realized they're super high and I was like, okay, if I ever get high again, I have to listen to the second half of episode 420. But <laughs> like, awesome. until I then. I haven't listened. I need to listen to that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, you're, I don't think you're going to be halfway through. You're just going to be like, okay, where are the gummies? <laughs> <laughs> Not far. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even in Texas? Oh, I'm in uh, Iowa. Yeah, he's in oh, Iowa. Okay. Oh, yeah, Iowa's got it, got hard it. on the war on, the war uh, on drugs. Someone pointed out to me. Years behind it. The defense of guns, defense of the Second Amendment is inversely correlated. I, I like to call them drug rights. Mm. You know, not end the drug. Why a gun didn't grow out of the ground? I, you have a right to a gun, right on. Absolutely, everyone should have one. Everyone, yeah. but like a pot grows out of the ground. God gave that to us directly. Like, yeah. who's to say I can't pick that? Yeah, for sure. Right. It, it's really just personal property, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, there should, I mean, there should be no organization that can just come and take your shit because they don't like it. Yeah, your medicine, your your growth, your herbs, your yeah. your life force, man. We're, we're gonna make weed legal in Iowa. I'm moving up there, so that's when cool. I get up there, that's well. George cool. Soros was behind the weed legalization effort, so I'm sure it yeah. is going to continue. As soon as I found <laughs> that sure. out about Colorado years ago, I was like, oh, yeah, the dominoes will fall. Yeah, uh, there was damn. There's a podcast. We're gonna push from math. It was. Too. I think it was Scott so, Horton was on Tim Kaine. Yeah. No, no, there won't be any meth if coke no. is legal no who needs meth yeah. so so what did scott horton do uh he was on tinfoil hat podcast and talking about uh legalization and sam tripoli kind of doubled down on the uh like you know soros was wrong with it and stuff like that and i and i totally agree with it too because i think all drugs should be legal so and i and i think the legalization of pot is just like a Sort of like to pacify the masses, you know, where it's like, oh, yes. you can have this one thing. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, or to, or to neutralize them. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good thing to have everybody super high. And the stuff that they're pushing now gets people super duper high. I like trying yeah. to tell my kids, if it looks like a USB port, no. It's like yeah. anything you put in your mouth <laughs> oh, yeah, or in your lungs, sure. like identify what it looked like in the state of nature. And if you cannot do that, you probably can't. Dose yeah, there was a study done that linked um, natural tobacco use to like not being significant with like cancer rates and stuff like that, other than like oh, the really? FDA regulated tobacco it that Parkinson's. you can. Okay, yeah, did not know that. It does but oh, that's so interesting. Well, I don't believe any of that stuff anyway because they yeah, don't tell the truth. Yeah, I don't. Right. Yeah. So, all right, dudes, uh, we're right here on time, and this is perfect. This is so great, Monica. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I had we, a super great time. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was yeah. fun. It was awesome. It was fun. a good time. So everybody, 
uh follow do you want to throw out some uh some just plugs? if you want to listen to my podcasts everyone that i do is in the pop propaganda report feed and if you want to talk to me you have to sign up for twitter i'm at monica perez show but they're gonna take me off probably in 2020 that's my number <laughs> one prediction for 2020 i'm off i'm off twitter but for now if you want to connect at monica perez show yeah get on there now because their twitter is pretty solid so th again I, thank thank you for having us dan you got some I was just going to say, I have 35 followers at the moment, and I'm at anarcho underscore Odin. Dude, you're awesome. <laughs> I'll retweet this, and then you'll get a couple more. And all 35 nice. <laughs> followers voted for him as the most handsome, which is a total lie. This is a rigged election. Uh, <laughs> I'm voting impeachment. So <laughs> let's, let's get the impeachment proceedings under. We need to see Jake. <laughs> yeah. He's ugly. Um, our, our, and our veterans for voluntarism is at V for V. Dane, you say Jake is ugly. He smoked me on the, the handsome pole. <laughs> yeah, that's because you both yeah. destroyed me. I got last. Really? <laughs> yeah. So dead last. Jake I mean, must be pretty it, was, cute. it was a total blowout. Jake's cute. Really? Like, Jake's cute in like a, like junkyard dog kind of ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah He's like the ugly dog you find that you just have to love. When you have to pull <laughs> shit out of the beard. I don't know. Yeah. He does that during the show. <laughs> yeah, he, he puts food in it and saves it for Oh later. my God, so he can eat it later? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, hey, we love you, Jake. We don't mean anything hard. But, I want to you know, get a look at you, Jake. I want to vote. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's, he's on Twitter too. Well, yeah. But the only picture he has is of his dog. No, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Follow Monica. Listen to her show. It's amazing. And as always, stay peaceful.